BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Music is her breath of fresh air. Close friend to say about my next guest. She just dropped her new album, Closer Than They Appear. With that, Lyric Jones, welcome to Library to Monica. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you. Shit is harder to breathe. House arrest without the ankle brace. The fall of disease. Which one should I be fearing most? A virus or a system? Corona shit ain't coming close. The violence on my It's so great. I mean, music is your breath of fresh air. It's such a... When I was at your 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 website and I you know, went to your about page and that's the first thing that pops up. It's like such an amazing and I think wonderful statement that any friend could say about another friend. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for you, when did this journey as an artist start and... Well, what drew you to the music, and then when did music become, or when did you realize that this was your breath of fresh air? Man, you know, a lot of people say, you know, since the beginning, since I can remember, but I really, really can't remember anything else being such a near and dear thing, like the way I communicate is through music, the way I, you know, live life is through music, but it's so non-one-dimensional for me. It's all kinds of music. Um, I was really drawn to jazz and, and gospel at first. And a lot of people don't even realize that or know because <laughs> I'm just so full on hip hop. Um, but, you know, the typical typical kid that kind of grew up in the church around, you know, the gospel roots and, and the jazz influence. So um, I think it kind of was, you know, infiltrated through, you know, just subliminally just hearing great music, <laughs> great chords, <laughs> great, you know, musicianship. Um, you know, gospel music is, you know, a, a direct family member of jazz, of hip hop, mm-hmm. um, of funk. So it, it's not too far removed it, just in black music in general, how I kind of came to where I'm at and how diverse I am with my palate with music. So it, it really started at a very young age. My dad would take me to um, his choir rehearsals. So I would kind of see the musicians playing and practicing and I, I gravitated towards the, the instruments first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really just where it started, just kind of being the little sister t- tagging around <laughs> and, and running around with the musicians, just trying to learn theory and learn all the different aspects of putting songs together, chord structure, um, all of that. And, and that was before rap, like, Hip hop was always there, but I didn't even really focus on that until later, my teenage years. So, so what was that? I mean, what was that moment? What was that? Maybe that album that you heard or song that you heard that said, 
all right, this is this is this is the art form that's really speaking to me. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've learned so much from gospel, I've learned so much from jazz, but this is where I'm going to concentrate my efforts and kind of be my voice. Right. Um, I would have to say, if I can remember the first inkling where I was like, "Woo, hip hop." Um, my dad used to play tribe all the time. No, oh, of course, yeah, nice all the time, and. What I didn't realize, because I was so young, when Tribe came out, I was like five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, you know, you don't really realize what you're hearing. Um, that's why yeah. I, I really think it's important, you know, what kind of music you put out and, and how children, you know, receive that, that energy is it, you know, it's not our, it's not our job to really raise kids, but we do. We do raise children right. with our music. You know, we were raised off of music. You you know, you were saying that earlier, you know, trying to yeah. pinpoint what that was. And for me, it was it was I remember Tribe very specifically. I remember the Midnight, Midnight Marauders album. And I think that what connected the dots was all the jazz samples. So nice. when I started learning music and theory and, 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 you know, going to different classes, I would hear the regular version of what Q-Tip would sample. <laughs> and I would think like, wait, that's a tribe song. Because <laughs> I'm so young, you know, like, wait a minute, that's a tribe record. <laughs> um, you know, so then, you know, the learning and the connecting the dots like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, the jazz aspect is what was being sampled. And, you know, being a kid growing up in the 90s, that was overwhelmingly the case, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was learning the sampled records, whether it was you know, a remake or just grabbing that sample for, for hip hop, I would know that before I would know the original. Right. Nice. Um, so I think once, you know, in the 90s, the late nineties, um, the bad boy era, once you start learning songs on the radio and all of that, I think I just kind of came, it kind of just fell into my lap, just wanting to rap and, and put words together. Um, because it was everywhere, you know, hip hop was all over the place. <laughs> um, so it's like, I'm singing and why not rap? Because the bad boy era had all of it, you know, you had, right. <laughs> you had vocalists on hip hop records. And I know some of the, the rap enthusiasts, hip hop enthusiasts say that kind of changed the game in a negative way to some extent. Um, but for me, it taught me a lot about music right. to, to hear how all these songs were flipped and all these classic funk, breaks and and what have you like i learned a lot from you know the shiny suit era <laughs> oh, yeah. so um yeah i, I want to say that if, if the earliest memory would be tribe for me um and then everything after that was just everything on the radio you know like i was i really kind of grew up from the radio Nice. I want to, there, there's a few, uh, you know, prior to us, you know, recording the conversation, I mentioned your tiny desk, uh, concert, uh, desk home concert show. And, you know, I noticed, you know, and not just an incredible performance, but also the, uh, your background in photos and posters and stuff like that. And you, you mentioned jazz. So I want to ask you about the, the Ken Burns jazz poster that you had in the back. Uh, but you also had, uh, pictures of, uh, Jay-Z, uh, Rod Digger, Locksmith, uh, Razkaz, and I believe, I think Angela Bassett, uh, my eyes might be going. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to quickly ask you, like, what do each of these artists and performers, what, what do they mean to you and, and, and how have they impacted your, you, you as an artist and also as your, in your career? Well, Tim, I'm going to walk over to that part of my room so I can <laughs> look because, um, yeah, it's been, you know, that vision board has kind of been up for a while. So what you're what you're seeing in my tiny desk is kind of like um, a whole lot of posters of my past shows. 
And I mm-hmm. think the one that you are seeing mainly that had Angela Bassett and Jay-Z was my vision board, my first vision mm-hmm. board that I made um, in its completion. So the vision board that had Angela Bassett and Jay-Z right above it is Queen Latifah. And that little corner is kind of like a representation of the how I want to be looked at in the industry. Mm. Um, with Angela Bassett, she's looked at as just overall beauty. So just kind of like this queen regal um, aesthetic. And, you know, I had short hair at the time. So I just kind of see Angela Bassett as just very poised and respected amongst the black community. Um, And, you know, just her her longevity, how long she's been in the game. Um, Hove really inspires me because he got started late, like he got his his acclaim late in the game. And, you know, I'm in my 30s. So to hear how Jay-Z, how long he's been doing his thing and touring with Kane and, you know, how he's just been on the scene and pushing through way before he he dropped Reasonable Doubt. It's kind of like how I feel, especially with Closer Than They Appear right now. It's kind of interesting how that ties in. I've been I've been doing this for about a decade. So. To see how Jay-Z is revered and respected now and his perseverance and the way people kind of like went to bat for him is how, you know, it's just very motivating because it can happen, you know. Um, and Queen Latifah is just like effortlessly touching <laughs> all, <laughs> all aspects of the of the, the entertainment industry with grace. Same kind of um, energy as Angela Bassett, but as an artist. Um, nope, she's never been in any, you know, drama or salacious problems or arrested or just all, you know, just all types of yeah. stuff to, she's always just been such a motivating inspiration. Um, she'll be a hip hop artist and then go, Hey, I want to do a jazz record or, Hey, I want to hop on drums or I want to do a talk show. I want to <laughs> have a movie <laughs> production. Like that is so me. So, um, she is literally the blueprint. Um, from the female perspective, is just effortlessly just doing whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, so those th- that was what you saw on my vision board. And everything else was just posters of all the shows that a lot of them I put together, um, including the tour I put together with Rod Digga and a few of my other shows. Um, I save some of the posters when I can and just put them up to remind me every day when I get dressed, like, yo, you did all this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's amazing. You no. Know? So yeah, I, I thought it would be a good backdrop for tiny desk to kind of get a little introduction of the, of the history of me. If they dug a little deep and, and see some of those recognizable posters. That's awesome. I want to talk about, of course, to talk about the closer than they appear, uh, album but uh, before that i want to ask you about one thing you did with uh doing your tiny desk concert uh, on the track uh on the song adult thing sure where you um you, you know you you essentially performed at acapella mm-hmm. um why why this track to for for i mean it's an amazing track uh and you i feel like you hear it you're like yeah you don't need the beat anyway you, you do such a great job on it <laughs> um why this track uh, acapella and then of course the follow-up question would be uh what has been the hardest part about adulting <laughs> Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I um, didn't think too deep of why that particular track and not any other one. But I I will tell you the TC Helicon device that I'm using, I've been wanting to learn and play with that for a while. Um, 
shouts out to my girl Aaliyah and I think Moses Sumney. I've, I've just seen them perform and use these vocal loopers and just like full on songs, like full songs <laughs> without <laughs> real other instrumentation until later using these things. And just as an artist, I'm, I'm just trying to constantly find ways to separate myself. Like it's more than just rap and bars for me. And it's been an uh, exhausting kind of being looped into just that when I just know I have so many skill sets and talents that aren't right. being displayed. So I didn't, I don't really see many, you know, MC like bar bar spitters using a TC Helicon and singing and rapping at the same time. <laughs> so it's like my brain works that way. I'm like, Nice. Let me find something that's just like, what? You know, um, and adulting is just, you know, it's just these major seven chord changes with the vocal um, sample. You know, I as soon as Nameless, shouts out the Nameless who produced it, uh, sent me that I, I was constantly just singing that loop. So once I self-taught myself that TC Helicon, it was off to the races. I was like, I got to find a song where I can just create it from scratch and beatbox and just kind of just have fun and just really show my creative ear. So I want to say adulting was just easier for me to do that and arrange it and, you know, mute certain parts. And it took a little bit. It took me like, you know, two months in the beginning of the pandemic and I had the time <laughs> to just, just arrange it perfectly. Um, and adulting, it's, you know, just going off that point, adulting is just kind of funny and ironic now because I was speaking in that song about how busy I am. And I can't really just sit still and just sometimes just be in the bed and just watch TV and be in my own skin. I'm always doing this or that. Um running around, try, really just trying to live in LA. It's super expensive out here and I'm an artist. So there's things I need to go to events, <laughs> videos I got to create. Like it's just always something costs money. And so that means I'm always working and never really enough time to cr be a creative. Um, so I was just in that spirit when I wrote Adulting and I'm complaining about wanting to be home in the bed. And that's exactly what I'm doing since March of 2020. <laughs> it's like, it's like God was like, be careful what you wish for. Um, so that is just hilarious to me because that's all I was complaining and crying about on the song. But adulting is real. When you hit 30, mm -hmm. like I've been hearing this my whole twenties, like, woo, when you hit 30, there's a, there's a light switch that goes off and you know, it's been two years of, of just constantly a shift in my life that has been drastically different than my twenties. Um, relationships with people, um, understanding different ways to communicate, understanding it's not always me on some aspects, you know, I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. hard on myself, um, wanting to always just be understood. And sometimes people just don't get it and that's okay. Sometimes you can just be strong in your opinion and that's okay. Um, and different, just different ways and scenarios of communicating that has been a constant journey of learning um, the discernment of when to be myself fully and when to let people in slowly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, money and and balancing your, your finances and finding ways to socialize, dating, like all of that is just like crazy right now <laughs> you know <laughs> constantly a a learning experience so 
yeah, adulting was was really just I feel like so many people can relate to it, especially when you're approaching 30, that I just want to I make relatable raps, relatable music. That's me all day. And I love when people can see themselves in my songs. So that was what that was about. Awesome. Uh, so this turns the new album, uh, Closing May Appear, which is executive produced by Fonte of uh, Little Brother and uh, Foreign Exchange. Um, what is it? I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had the honor to have Little Brother on the, the podcast as well, and, and it's obviously both of them are extremely, incredibly nice dudes and super talented. Um, what does it mean to have, have Fonte as this executive producer on this album? And for you, what impresses you most about him as an artist? Having Fonte executive produce this is literally like when people say your thoughts become things, that it's, it's literally that. Like I've had, and I've told him this a million times and I, and a lot of my friends ha- know this too. Like I, he was on a vision board too. Like <laughs> to work with Fonte has been um, a milestone that I, you know, have been dreaming about since I was in college you know, since freshman year, I want to say. Um, so for me, it, it really is actualizing what you want and think and speak out loud and say to other people, people would say that to me and I'd be like, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts that aren't becoming things. So yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, but this is just so, so uh, spot on and so impactful um, because I envisioned this and I saw it um, not exactly how it came together, but just working with him was something I really wanted to do. Um, that's all I wanted to do for a while. So it me- it means a lot. And it's so dope to see when you put the energy out and you do your work, do the work, you know, it will att- attract the certain people that you want to attract. So which kind of came into play with the title closer than they appear. You know, he wasn't as distant as I thought or felt he was. He was watching. He was paying attention. And I just needed to get to a certain level, you know, for it to make sense. So that really is um, assuring, you know, like it's affirming a lot in a lot of ways. Um, you know, sometimes when we, uh, you know, sometimes when you read uh, um, an album's been executive produced by someone and then you like really look into it. Uh, it's just the person's put their name on the album and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it seems like, you know, reading up in interviews with you that Fonte did not do that. Fonte was not like, all right, at the end, like, you know, sign the top of the album and then he gets the executive <laughs> producer credit. Oh, no, uh, definitely not. Yeah. So what was that working dynamic with him? I mean, what, how did he, uh, I mean, how did, how was he able to challenge you as an artist and, and kind of what did you learn about that process with him? I mean, well, well first off, I've never, you know, it's probably you got an inkling in the beginning of this conversation. I've never had anybody executive produce anything like I've been one thousand percent in the driver's seat of my whole career. And I mean, every little detail, never had a manager. I mean, booking and putting tours together. That's been me for a long time. So although he's my, my faves, my fave artist, I still didn't know what that felt like or what to do for had to have someone executive produce like how much input do I give how, you know what you know it's just really constantly learning to try to understand how that dynamic would work um for me it was dope because I learned you know about him how he works and you know what 
are his specific his specific ear and, and what gravi- what he gravitates towards, um, what to probably avoid. Like it was just constantly like figure a puzzle piece, like figuring him out. Um, and I've never had to do that before with my music. It's always been what I want to do. That's what happens. <laughs> you know, even with, you know, working with Nameless, it was overall like, you know, it was my, my album for the most part. And Nameless was just kind of there like, yeah, like I have a couple opinions, but Lyric, whatever you want to do, you know? Right, right. Um, so I had to kind of be that person. Like, yeah, this is what I, I'm thinking, but Fonte, this is your executive producing. So whatever you feel like is the best decision. And the beginning really was challenging because I didn't, I'd never had to do that before. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, so it was just constantly trying to understand with each other what trust looked like and what, how we work and how we communicate and where, where our ears are as well. So I just know that Fonte's overall intention was always for the best. It was always to build me up and put me in a certain Light. To, he always says, like, the things and resources that I didn't have coming up, I want to be that for you. You deserve it. You've been awesome. working. So I always knew that and kept that even when I didn't like certain things or whatever. I'm like, Fonte, this is the purest intentions. This is what he wants for me. So let me relax. Let me recalibrate how I'm communicating because this is the end goal is positive for us both. You know, so that was. That that was such a you know easy. It's it, it made it easier for me to create because I knew what the intentions were, um, and more and more so towards the end, just what the end goal was. You know, um, the good challenges too were my my pen work um, on certain songs, just how detailed he was with the feedback and what to fix. And you know, everyone knows Fonte; he he'll be direct like. Uh, get this word the fuck up out of here. Like, <laughs> I fucking hate that word. I'm like, okay, let me, <laughs> whoa, let me go back and write this again, you know? <laughs> um, but he was very, very strong about me writing my own shit and, and showing my pen work, him not being all up in, all up in the videos, quote unquote, right. on the raps. Um, and, and, was honest like yo this bar is not landing i hear what you're trying to do but i think you can try that again um i think face to face he made me revisit that two three times like that was a tough one for me um that doesn't that typically doesn't happen folks usually kind of just are like yeah you you sound great dope bars only (laughs) you know um so i needed that i needed the the pick apart and i've always wanted it so to finally get it um, was great from my favorite rapper. That was great, and and I hope that people really hear that and the and the bars translate because that was we worked hard on that on on every record. Does so? Does the dynamic though change uh, in terms of an executive producer role to when when he when he, when when when, the, when that same executive producer becomes featured on a song like he is on you know on cruising? I mean, does that does that kind of put you back in the driver's seat because it's you know, I don't know, driver's seat, maybe too powerful a word, but you back in that control seat where, cause it's, it's your, it's your song. So like you have a certain direction for it. So you're kind of maybe giving Fonte notes or edits. Um, I did, but I tried to, you know, like I, I gave like cruising, 
um, there was an ad lib that I, I I didn't like, and you know he asked me like what I what I thought about it, and he just communicated it to focus, you know. So there was a couple things where it was like, yeah, I don't really I don't really feel this echo here, or it's very small detail oriented stuff, and the devil's in the details. So and we're both like that. Like he'll hear little little things that I'm like, eh, and he'll. He was like, nah, Larry, this is this is it. This is the smoke right here. I was like, all right, bro, that's that's what you say. I'm I'm falling back. And then there was a couple things where I, you know, wanted some specifics. Um, and if I was really strong on it, I can, you know, communicated that. Like Angelina um on Closer Than They Appear, there's like the Greg Nice echo um on my verses. Um it's kind of the end, the end bar, the end rhymes and I I just heard that immediately when I started writing like I wrote it in that way so at first you know Fonte didn't hear it but when I was just like hey let's let's just try it it just worked out perfectly so overall I let you know I did the best of just kind of letting him executive produce even with the little brother song even with cruising um that was kind of like I felt like a guest. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I felt like it's just an honor to to be on a record with my favorite group since high school. Like right. I don't had no feedback. Just y'all just tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> just tell me to, if the bars are good. Just let me know. Um, right. But yeah, just different things. Like there, there were. It was like I, I was singing a little bit on that. That didn't make it. You know, there was a couple little things where it's just like Fonte hears it a certain way and Focus mixed it. He hears it a certain way. Let me just let the record be. That's what letting someone executive produce it has to be, you know, at least for me to really just release myself from wanting to nitpick at every little thing. Because that's always been my role with my records. Like always find like in the mixing process, like, oh, I hear this, I hear that. I had to just kind of just chill and 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 let the song be what the executive producer hears it, or else he's not executive producing, you know. Right. I'm gonna ask you about the I want to ask you about the opening track, but I first I want to ask you about the the, the next track uh, after cruising. I'll show you how, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's another great track. But what I think what also what really stands out to me as well is that it's it's tempo wise, it's the complete opposite of cruising. Yes. <laughs> um, what was what was the thinking behind having those two tracks back to back? I mean, I, you know, they, you know, it's it's a surprise in a way, but a, a good surprise, I think. Um, mm. Just to have that for for the ear for a listener, just to kind of be like, all right, we're mellow now, and now we're not mellow. You know, what's the what's the thinking behind that? Um, well, I would say because I, I I didn't really ask Fonte that specific question, but if I were to kind of guess guesstimate, um, we had to find a way to move into Angelina. You know, like we we had to switch. We're switching energy. So it starts off with face to face, rock on. It's just all these kind of just aggress me, just kind of just going bars. I'm barely singing yet other than the intro um, and cruising. Uh, I do remember Fonte saying, you know, we got to give the listener, you know, let them see that you kind of earned this feature. Like you got to prove yourself for a couple songs before we get into that. And so we just wanted to. I think show you how fit perfectly because Angelina is definitely a towards the end of the project song. We didn't want to start that too early. Um, But the shift is funny because the very, very end of the album, like right before mastering that little um, interlude that we put uh, as Tay says, it's like coffee bean. 
in, in a sort of speak to kind of get us to transition. It, it was really jarring at first, like it just kind of switches. But he used a track that was a leftover from my EP uh, or my maxi single, Acquired Taste. He used a real like quick sample of that. Um, and, you know, the topic matter, like I'm just I'm talking about relationships now. I'm, I'm switching it up. Cruising is, is more of a lighthearted topic matter, too. So I think it's more the content and having the songs talk to each other. At least that's what Fonte always told me was the goal. Um, having one song talk to the next and how it ended and started. So show you how tempo wise we needed to put it somewhere. And Angelina needed a setup as well. So I think show you how uh, being there was really the purpose for that. Hmm. Uh, Objects in the Mirror is the opening track of the album. Uh, How, why is this the kind of the the table setter for the rest of the album? I mean, what do you want the listener to kind of gain from this uh, that's going to prepare us to listen to the rest of the tracks of the album? Man, I love Objects in Mirrors so much. I really, really love that intro. And it touches back on what I was saying earlier, me being a musician and the jazz and (laughs) the horns. Like I heard that when Fonte played that track, um, much love and shouts out to Phil Boudreaux for that production. I immediately was just like stunned. I was like, bro, we have to find a way to include this on something. It's got to be an intro or interlude or something. Um, And it just gravitated me. Nothing with words or anything. It just was the music, the musicianship. Um, And I I wanted to set the album off with that so people can hear my ear. Um, As far as it being called Objects in Mirror, that was the first track we started once we found a title, a working title and concept. And the day I came to Raleigh to start the project, we, you know, of course, we're talking while we're, you know, in transition from the airport to the house and all those things. And me thinking about what I want to call the project and just very natural conversation. I don't know. I just was like, man, I want to call this objects and mirror closer than they appear. Is that title too long or, or what? And and we kind of condensed it and separated the title. And said, hey, the mm. intro should, since it's the intro, maybe that can be the first part of the album, the first part of the title, and then the continuation closer than they appear will tell the rest of the story. Um, so, yeah, we started off just kind of arranging the record and, and singing, and um, we both really, really were strong with, with coming together with the melody and, and the, the chant, sort of speak, of that. Um, and that set the pace for the rest of us creating um, the rest of the project. Uh, the track "Face to Face" is to me, you know, obviously, just a very powerful track that we, you know, and and lyrically and music, we 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 hear your frustration when addressing social issues and and, and, and injustices and and kind of that conversation that you're having with yourself. Yeah. And a uh, lyric that I really love is uh, "The air is feeling different, my temperature changed, my people are sick of statistics." Are just lyrics that really stand out to me as well. Um, can you talk about these lyrics and? For you as an, just a person, what does it mean to um, to write these lyrics down uh, and kind of get them off your chest? And and what what do you want to do with them afterwards? Yeah, you know, face to face was hard for me to write. Um, it was very difficult just because when I wrote it, it was like right after a lot of the protests, um, like around June. 
And I knew that if I put a project out this year, I need I can't just not address what's going on. But I hate writing about it. It's it's such as an artist, you know, we we want to have our voice be kind of a bookmark or what have you of the time period there that we're in. And the anxiety for me was like, hey, if I'm an artist and I want to stand the test of time and I don't have a record or even just a moment that puts a stamp on a era or a time period, then I'm not I'm not I can't be legendary that way. You know, Mm. there's been all my favorite artists have had impactful records from Stevie Wonder to Marvin Gaye to Nas that solidified whatever they were writing about at that time. You know, and so I'm like, what do I say? I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm so angry and I'm so frustrated and COVID and money and people are making me mad and social media and Twitter. It, it was just so much. And I did not know what to say. Um, again, the role of the executive producer, man, like Fonte, just a conversation with him. He just said something very, very simple. And it just got me, got my gears turning. It was just a conversation, just like, hey, America's being forced to kind of put a mirror up to themselves and look at themselves. Mm-hmm. Like now, <laughs> like now you can't avoid it. You know, you can't avoid all the BS that's been going on. Like America got to look in the mirror. I was like, wow. It's amazing. Let me, let me get my, my pen out because <laughs> this is it. This is it. And and of course, uh, you know, objects in mirror. That's the first track. And it just all kind of came together with the whole mirror aspect. And, you know, me being extra deep, you know, I'm a Gemini and <laughs> two sides of me. Um, I wanted to kind of tie that in together, too. I'm home alone. So all I do have is me looking at myself, you know, so I wanted to really just kind of capture that, like, yeah, COVID and, and coronavirus and what we're dealing with globally is in, is very serious. But, you know, my sisters are dying. My brothers and sisters are dying, too. And for a long time, I, I'm, I'm kind of like <laughs> being pulled in a lot of directions artistically. What's going to happen with my career? My family ain't been out to visit me in eight years. What's going to go? You know, what's going to happen here with my, my neighbor? Let me hold it, hold a knife like a machete. Like it's just all that was going on in my head. It was real talk. So it was hard for me to write uh, with that track. But that one that one just chance chance sentence from from Fonte really got me writing. And that's that was that really showed his true executive producer as far as me making me comfortable moment for me. Because uh, it was just a candid conversation that jolted uh, a energy for me to write something that I needed. So, do you? I mean, do you ever worry? Because I feel like you, you know, not just uh, the song you created face to face, but you have other artists who who also address social injustices as well. And 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 the sad part of it all is that a lot of these songs become timeless, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could, you know, you could play, you know, like. You could have created this song, you know, 20 years ago, and it would still be relevant today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there ever, I don't know, is it is depressing the right word? I don't, you know, I mean, what, what does it mean to think that? Yes. Depressing you know, is, yeah. depressing <laughs> is the right word. That's why it was so difficult, you know? Like, I've, I've been an artist who has been, the way I write, I'm very just true to myself. And sometimes it's, it's kind of like they what they say about like Mary J. Blige or, uh, 
Keisha Cole vocalist wise, like when they're in pain, they have the best music. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, they, when they get their heart broken, it's like, yo, that album is going to be fire. Right. <laughs> and right. for me, ironically, like the woe is me lyric, I, I've been going through a lot of just like low moments and then I write about it. And that was what I was realizing my discography was. I'm like, I don't want to write about shit like this no more. Like, I want to have right. some happy. Can I have some triumph, please? You know, and so thinking about me putting this album out in 2020 and thinking of another low moment that we're in, it was just exhausting to think about. And it was depressing. It was a depressing thought. But that's why I wrote it in the way I wrote it. It was just kind of like, I'm not going to be so literal and just woe is me about everything. <laughs> and so you can be political and you can be socially aware and not be so on the nose. You know, you can you can have it encompass holistically everything about you or or and still kind of flex your skills, too. You know, right. um, so if I were to say I'm worried about it being depressing, no, because I think I I will say I think I did a good job of making it uh, feel making the song feel good. And not make you feel pain and and go, oh, man, you know, like a lot of we have a lot of social rappers who do that. Um, And and there's a place for that is a place where you need all of those varieties and and that syntax. Um, But for me, I just wanted to make it relatable. That's always been me. Relatable rhymes, relatable rap. And that's how I was able to kind of just talk about how I feel with, with what's going on. You know, where a lot of us, especially women, we're home by ourselves. We don't got our brothers or our dads or anybody here. And, and it's scary, scary. Mm-hmm. Like and then then trying to create at the same time, like there's a whole audience of my 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 fellow sisters and brothers who who don't have songs that that talk about that. You know, it's either I'm broke or relationship problems. It's like. It don't got to be so drastic. It's like, yo, I'm just home alone. I'm lonely and there's a lot going on. (laughs) How do I express that? And how do I make the song still good? You know, a lot of us artists are going through that. And so add being a black woman on top of that in a pandemic, it's just that narrative. I I just felt like that was a unique voice that I needed to express. And and, 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 and also, it also conveys and back to I'm mean, not to use you know it conveys adulting right it conveys that right. I mean hip hop hip hop in general is it, it, it's growing up I mean and and I think there has to be a point where and I think a lot of artists are you know some some artists are starting to talk more about it because you can't be like a 50 year old dude talking about like you know getting women at the you know at like 8,000 women a night because that's just not possible right uh, and you just want to go to sleep right. more than like half the time when you're 50 but uh, so but so so there is it does convey a point where like you're showing that hip hop you're growing up hip hop's growing up and right. and there's a legitimacy um and and a genuine feeling behind when we when I think fans here and artists talk about that sort of thing right exactly um you spit on rock on uh, even when hip hop grew more contradictory mm. yeah. um and I think I always have this like the one thing I, I and I, I don't know if this is what you're conveying, but the one thing I really like about um, hip hop music is that it kind of forces us in a weird way to um, to go face to face with our own contradictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like um, the stuff that's talked about, or you know, like like I politically don't agree with that, but lyrically, um, 
that's amazing or the way the wordplay is amazing and all that uh so can you talk about the contradictions that you're addressing in these lyrics um well let's let's how long do we got (laughs) (laughs) go ahead it's yours um i mean listen tim i'm i'm a black woman hip-hop artist and the net the discussions of female and hip-hop um over the past you know, forever, but really recently, like over the past five years or so, have just been just all over the place and so fake and so fake support and just, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I love this culture. I teach hip hop. I teach about the foundations of our, of the, like literally the, the four fathers of this culture. I love it. I mention it in the record, you know, I know my shit and the hard work that I have been putting in for so long, it just, it just kind of contradicts the response and, and, and everything from not only me, but a lot of, a lot of women that have been in the game um, mm. from, you know, the, the work ethic and the way we write. And it's like, y'all say y'all want all these things and we giving it to you. And you still telling us that women aren't fresh out here. Right. You know, like I've right. seen, I've heard legends that I respect out their mouth. Just like, yeah, I don't fuck with female rappers. Like what? <laughs> like how you just, gonna, first of all, I'm not a female rapper, you know, like, and, and even if we're all play around with that term, it's, you're just writing off every woman that rock that raps, not even right. giving them a chance, you know? And a lot of backhand compliments. I typically don't listen to rap tricks that rap. It's just my whole career. It's just a lot of that fem see this and female MC that. And it's just so, it's just so much and it can be exhausting, but I still love it. You know, like, I right. still love it. I still am going to rap shows and being the only girl there. Sometimes the only girl performing um, just, I feel like I'm the, a lot of times waving this white flag and I'm by myself in a lot of spaces and in many cities that I've been in, I've lived in Boston, LA, um, Atlanta, and it's, it's been a constant trend, you know, of how women are looked at. And it still surprises people that some of us can rap. (laughs) Some of us know our shit and some of us like, you know, can put entendres together and, and have, can be, have a sex appeal and, and not, you know, be, very raunchy or direct. Like there is a ton, there's tons of us. And at this point in 2020, it should not be a surprise. It shouldn't be, it, it just shouldn't be even a discussion. Like I came up, we just talked about Queen Latifah. I came up when they were dominating shit, you right. know? So it was normal for me to see women in hip hop with million dollar record deals, several millions, you know, on my TV all the time. And now it's just one dimensional and that's a contradiction to me. It's not hip hop to me having this one, this one perspective. That's not hip hop. That's not what I came up on. So, you know, that's why I said still I'm at the pep rally because I marveled at the history. Like still I'm, I'm a cheerleader because I love what this was about. I love what it, you know, the foundation of what hip hop has been from the beginning. So I'm always going to love it even though I'm abused, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's literally an abusive relationship. Um, so that was what that, that bar was about, you know, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to set myself apart in so many ways. Was there ever, I mean, was, was there ever a moment that you were just kind of 
I don't know, ready to walk away uh, from it. Uh, Yeah, Tim, like right before this album and many times before that, like constantly, like constantly it's like, I'm tired, I'm done. Um, And I I think a lot of us, I would say my peers and my, my, my fellow sisters that I talk to in death, like, you know, there's a lot of us who we just talk to each other about this. But we we kind of get to a point where we're like, why? What what right. for? You know, like, why am I going to be stressing to write this ill ass double entendre and bar when nobody it's like a tree falling in the forest? Like you're saluting and applauding the most basic type of <laughs> not everything that is against the foundation of hip hop is being, you know, celebrated like on a mainstream level. So you look, I look at myself and I look at so many of us, it's like, for what? Like, why? You know, like I'm tired. So yeah, that that crosses my, my psyche a lot of just maybe I need to pivot and do something else. It don't mean that I am not going to rap no more ever again, but maybe the full on pursuit of being an artist might be something I need to revisit and do differently. Maybe I need to expand more with DJing or, or whatever, you know? Um, the culture is always going to be there, but I have several times just thought about what I want to do as an artist. That's not going to make me hate what I do. <laughs> you know, I still want to love it. And it's hard to do when it's just a lot of, a lot of brick walls at, at every turn. Uh, and this kind of brings me to the, the, the final track of the album, uh, wait a minute. Um, and, and it, um, and I'm, I, I, I'm asking you about it after this because uh, it kind of comes off as either it could be a song. Two things. I, when I was listening to it uh, many times over and over, I thought two things. It's either about a past love coming back, or it's actually about your kind of your your relationship with music. <laughs> And and whether all right, why haven't I, you know? I want to leave you, but I I can't. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about uh, the, the, this being the final track of the album, but also like kind of your your thought process and and what is this track about? Man, yeah. So I, it's beautiful to hear that when people get it um, as a writer, um, and you know, you know, I did this. Obviously, I had a partner like working with Fonte. Like to hear people really digest our ideas together and it and it connect. That's that's everything. That's everything. That's all we want, you know, for people to get it. Um, and wait a minute to hear you got it. <laughs> like that's literally <laughs> it. Like I wrote this about a relationship two years ago. This song was a leftover from Gas Money. You know, about me just like, I really like this dude. He's, you know, he's really, really, really persistent. And that scares me, <laughs> you know, like he's really like going in and he's not moving slow. He's t- he's just all the way in. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You know, I- I'm not certain about this yet. Um, and it really is a parallel of just me kind of walk, being feeling like I have to walk on eggshells a lot of times going forward because of in my music career, as you were saying, it's just mm-hmm. like I've. Everyone knows me about be, of being very enthusiastic and just happy to be here and just excited about everything. And sometimes that can rub people the wrong, the wrong way. Sometimes people are like, relax, you know, but I'm just always just bright and just happy. But I've kind of lost a little bit of that spark and that sparkle over the years of just being beat up <laughs> in the industry in certain ways. 
So my apprehension in the song is literally a direct parallel to how I feel going forward and to end the album that way is it's literally how I feel. It's just kind of like, uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. You know, I'm just going to wait to see what I'm going to wait to see what God has in store, because I've been doing this a long time. You know, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of excitement. And then it kind of the balloon, the air goes out the balloon real quick or quickly, you know. So I'm just kind of been slow to that to avoid hurting myself. Um, It's kind of like self-protecting in a way. Uh, something my therapist told me, it's like, are you trying to protect yourself from your emotions? You know, when you think certain things, and it's like, yeah, because you don't want to like 10 years to 15 years of, of doing the same thing. It's like, you don't want to set your expectations like to the moon. And I've done that um, on right. so many occasions. Um, I've done it with relationships, whether it's love, love interest or whatever. It's like, I, I put my all in, I go all the way in. I don't really know how to like just dip my toe in. So growth and experiences kind of teach you how to be a toe dipper, but not uh, not uh, making whatever experience or people feel like you're holding something back. That dichotomy, that balance is the hardest thing when you when you've been in the game for so long, because you want people to feel warm and you want to move on to the next journey or whatever. But you had experiences that are keeping you from that. You're trying to be careful. You're trying not to hurt yourself. You're trying not to rub people the wrong way. You're trying not to. All of that is important because you need likability and all that stuff is how you make money. <laughs> like as much as people say, hey, don't worry about what people say. Like it, it matters. It's it, it's yeah. how you it's how you eat, you know. So finding that balance of being yourself, but also making sure you're 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 you know, palatable and digestible as, as a person and as an artist is like the constant battle. So I think that's what the way, the wait a minute, how the double entendre of the song in, it, in and of itself is just perfect to end the project. Another genius move by Fonte, because that was, I didn't get it at first. I didn't get why he wanted to end the project. Like he said that early on, he was like, man, that whole about to, we gonna end the album with that. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like that ballady record? Like that's it? You know, he was like, yeah, nigga, that's it. So, um, it, not until the song got mastered, like the project was almost mastered until I it just, it, it just clicked so well to what you said. I was like, man, that is just genius. Cause it don't even have to be about a love story. That was what I wrote right. about, but that I have so many parallel sentiments about this song Again, executive producer doing what an executive producer do, you know, is perfect. And I I had that was a a good example of me just trusting him and just letting I I heard at first something else ending the album. But I let that I didn't even retort that. It was just like, all right, let's hear it. And that Hmm. that was a perfect example of me just letting that go and experiencing it um, in its holistic state once the album was completed. And, yeah, and it, I think it's a, it's a perfect ending to the album, and it completes the album. And, and it's one of those things where it you you know for me, I, I wanted to, I listened to the album again, but I didn't want to to make it's weirdly to make that last record make sense to mm-hmm. me. You have to listen to the entire album absolutely. in full. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. 
then the new album is closer than they appear the artists and incredibly talented artists uh lyric jones has been on the library to Monica. uh lyric thank you so much for joining me in the library it's been on an honor oh man thank you so much i really appreciate uh, every artist especially rappers we love to talk about the song and, and break it down and share the story so this is therapeutic in a lot of ways especially so so soon after the album drops so thank you for letting me express it and tell the people and again much love and and honored to Fonte for giving me you know his time his energy his care to executive produce you know hopefully uh, an album I can stand on for years and years and years to come and everybody who's been on the project and a part of this journey like this, this will be an unforgettable moment so thank you for letting me express that and um, you know, listening. Thank you for listening. more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili wickdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wick nuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last